I'd like to mention a longtime partner of mine, Mountain Op Supplements. I take their products every day and they keep me performing at my best year after year. I should also note that my son Truett works for the company, so I have firsthand knowledge of their focus on faith, family, and fitness. Makes it really easy to partner with a company whose values align with mine. They have a special deal for you guys right now for the podcast launch. If you use code KEEPHAMMERING on a purchase of $75 or more, you get a free Keep Hammering BCAA and my new signature flavor, pineapple. I'm all about high-level performance, and the BCAs really help me perform. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because I drink coffee all day, every day. But more importantly, they are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to The Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me, stop, I use. Every comment, hate, that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. This is a Keep Hammering Collective. I'm here with Michael Chandler. You are my first guest. This is a, a huge honor, and I'm very excited about this. Not just for me to be sitting here for the next however long, but for the entire world to get to hear you on the microphone, uh, that you have dove into this, and I'm excited about it. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, and it means a lot to me that you're my first guest because, uh, you know, I've been a fan of what you do, and I guess, I mean, the fighting, yeah, but how hard you work. I mean just the effort you put into being the best, giving your best effort every day, bringing your best package to, to the octagon. Um, is that how you've always operated? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I will, I will not take a ton of credit for it. I mean, we, I, we are a product of our environment. Mm -hmm. I am a son of a carpenter, um, a son of a, a mom who, uh, who works two and three jobs as well. Um, so it was, I was a product of my environment and I saw hard work, mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing being the, the son of a, two blue collar, uh, people who just wanted to be, wanted to be good, uh, wanted to do good and wanted to work extremely hard. And then I think as I kind of developed into the man that I would eventually become, I started to realize that I do have a lot of great gifts mm -hmm. and to not completely dive into and work extremely hard with those gifts that I'm really sacrificing those gifts. So I've just been uh, getting after it now for 20 something years in mm -hmm. athletics and it's turned into somehow turned into a crazy long career of me being able to provide for my family now. So it's been a lot of fun. Oh, I know. I mean, how long have you been fighting now? I mean, 13 years, was it? Yeah, it's uh, 13 or 14. I fought my first fight in 2009, uh, graduated May of 2009 from Mizzou, wrestled there. And then, um, Fought my first fight in August. Didn't know how to really fight. Didn't know, you know, I wasn't yeah. really training much. Uh, but figured I'd, I'd dip my toe in the water, see how I liked it. And then uh, I haven't looked back since. It's kind of kind of crazy to think that uh, it started out as a, well, we'll see what happens here. Mm -hmm. it wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys who, you know, for half a decade was saying, man, someday when I'm, when I'm old enough or someday when I get trained enough, I'm going to go make a career out of mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, dip my toe in the water and then it felt right. And I yeah. felt like I was going to be pretty darn good at it, at least. And uh, here we are a decade and a half later, basically, and 
still doing it. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. And it, like I said, it's been a pleasure to watch. So you, your attitude, you see, I uh, hearing that. And then I look at like Bo Nickel, who he, he came in same type of thing, kind of a storied wrestling career, Penn state, I believe he went. And then he's like, now he's UFC and says he's going to be champion. So yeah. you didn't have that quick transition like that to setting big goals. No. Well, I, I mean, I think I did once I got in, once I made the decision, I think I, I didn't, a lot of people make the decision before they get into mixed martial arts. I more yeah. was just kind of like, hey, let me try it. You know, mm -hmm. I got, I just graduated. I had my degree. I mm -hmm. could, could have been a wrestling coach, could have stayed on at Mizzou and, and been a, a graduate assistant for a couple of years and mm -hmm. then got a, got a job somewhere. Um, so I wanted to try mixed martial arts and yeah. just really loved it, mm -hmm. you know? And then about, uh, you know, my second, third fight, I realized, okay, I think I could get a contract with one of these organizations and mm -hmm. I think I could maybe take it to the top. And then, you know, it kind of, you know, the rest is history. So I, uh, dipped my toe in the water and then mm. turned it into a long career. Who, who was your first fight? My first fight was Kyle Swadley, uh, who was actually another college wrestler. He wrestled in Missouri. Um, and I wrestled at Lake of the Ozarks, or sorry, I fought at Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. First blood promotion. Mm. Uh, Tyron Woodley was who ended up, you know, was a welterweight champion yeah. in, in the UFC. Ben Askren and I wrestled with in college as well. Um, but Tyron was my manager for, oh, uh, really? for a, yeah, a couple of years. Like, you know, it, you know, kind of impromptu, right. the unofficial manager. But he was, he really was like, he was the guy who would talk to the promoters and get me the fights. And then, mm. and then that's how I ended up getting my next uh, two or three fights in Strike Force because Tyron was signed with Strike Force. Mm -hmm. So I was fighting on undercards there. Um, and yeah, my first, my first fight was, like I said, I didn't have much training. So I went out there, took him down in the first 30 seconds and then like, <laughs> just rained down about 225 <laughs> punches in, in about a four minute period. And they, the ref pulled me off of him. So, oh man. And like, so what would that pay? Oh, that was $500. 500 $500. And just a flat fee, no win? Yeah, no win bonus. It was 500 bucks, And then, you know, before you know it, you're paying for your hotel. You're paying for, you know, the food. And, and mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not going to make Tyron pay. So I'm like, here, I'll pay for your food or whatever. This is my yeah. fight or whatever. Um, actually, maybe back then he actually paid for himself. Like, he was he was very <laughs> uh, he was very supportive. And he was like my big brother, like I said. But um, but before you know it, yeah, I made like 200 bucks net. Yeah. You know? Well, how did it feel, though? But you were making money fighting. Yeah, well, well, it was kind of cool because I went from an amateur athlete, amateur mm -hmm. wrestler, never mm -hmm. got paid a dime for, you know, wrestling, obviously, and then uh, made some money as an athlete. So mm -hmm. you're, technically, I was a professional athlete, you know, but <laughs> even though I made two hundred bucks, but uh, you know, I uh, it was it was uh, it was a cool transition, and mm -hmm. it was it was also just a, you know, it, it's there's something about fighting that we love. Mm -hmm. whether you're there in the arena or you're watching it on TV or you're, or you get to do it. Like I get to do it. Or if you're just a, a, a guy or gal who trains at an MMA gym and does sparring or whatnot, there's something about it that we love, mm -hmm. you know? So I knew I loved hand to hand combat when it came to wrestling. I, I knew how to take a guy down and wrestle. And, um, that was my background obviously, but going into the cage, it was going to be different, but it was gonna be very similar mm -hmm. from the hand to hand combat standpoint. And I just, I ended up loving it. Yeah. Obviously. I hope I love it because I've been doing it now for a decade and a half. Yeah. Well, it, it is Manu Manu, man on man, and there's going to be one winner, one loser. So yep. it is that that doesn't change from wrestling. No. So that must be different. Or I mean, similar. Um, but so the striking was probably a whole different discipline to learn. Was that, has that, are you still evolving as a striking or are you there? Does that ever 
do you ever master it or how do you think about that? It's a good question because I don't know if you can ever really master it because there's different seasons of a fighter's, mm -hmm. of a fighter's career. You know, mm -hmm. you might be faster at 30 or slower at 30 than you were at 20. Mm -hmm. You know, you might, you might have realized that you might've been training with one team and you, you were kind of emulating this guy's style and that style wasn't good for your body type, wasn't good for your gifts, wasn't mm -hmm. good for your attributes. I think I, I did that. You know, I, I went to Alliance MMA, was great friends with Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz and me, Dominic Cruz and I fight completely different fight styles, yet I was trying to kind of emulate him because it worked really well for him. Mm -hmm. And I quite frankly looked up to him, right? Um, but it wasn't exactly perfect or great for my style, my mm -hmm. gifts, my attributes. I'm a shorter, stockier, you know, muscle-bound guy. He's a taller, leaner, less muscle-bound guy. And he what do you like about his style? It was just fun to unpredictable. watch. Unpredictable. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was unpredictable. He was really good with head movement, which mm -hmm. I was not. I mean, I have never really been great with head movement. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a cover-up kind of guy. Yeah. Um, or get hit. You do know, you think about that in the fight? Like, got to move my head. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things. We were talking about this on our runs. You know, yeah. there's, there's there's is just so many things to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, and the best fighters or the best performances that we have, a lot of times you're not thinking, you're kind mm -hmm. of just in that flow state. You let, right. your, you let your training take over. Um, but yeah, you want to be able to think about certain aspects, you mm -hmm. know, and I always kind of, there's always a couple of cues before I walk into the, the cage. Um, you know, hey, make sure you tell me to breathe because that's one thing we can forget to do. As, yeah. as crazy as it sounds, <laughs> you can forget to breathe yeah. and breath and oxygen is pretty much the most important thing in there yeah. right uh but you can forget to breathe you can and you can you can overdo things you can over wrestle you can over strike you can over emphasize these certain areas where you mm -hmm. could take a little bit of a rest take your take your foot off the gas a little bit mm -hmm. um so just breathe and hands up is my other one you know hands up i think for me hands up is better than head movement because mm. You're, you're fighting in four ounce gloves it's yeah. better to be able to block something you have a higher probability of blocking something than you do mm -hmm. moving your head and if you because if you don't move your head you're yeah. gonna get knocked out so. yeah how so that reminds me is i always wondered about this is like when you block a head kick does that hurt every time i mean your arm because your, your arm gets up and sometimes yeah. i'm thinking god that's gotta you gotta feel that yeah, I mean, and you've seen you've seen it too. I mean, guys get knocked out with their hands up. Yeah. They could have two hands up, and they still get knocked out. Yeah. I mean, head kicks are just, you know, the leg, the strongest part of your body, right. coming up toward your mm -hmm. cranium. I mean, it's it's uh, when it lands, and if it lands, it's it could put you out. Even if you if you have it blocked, even if you had it blocked perfectly, you mm -hmm. know. So that's the crazy thing about mixed martial arts. We, we you know we talked about even like when our shins clash, yeah, right? you know, yeah. two guys throw a leg kick I at the same time that. or you throw a leg kick and, and the guy checks it. I mean, God did not create our bones to be cracking up against right. each other, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's funny that we, we created this sport here on earth and you're just like, well, you're, you're playing with, you're playing with fire at any, at any given moment and mm -hmm. you're fighting in four ounce gloves. It's, you're fighting the best guys in the world. Yeah. It's completely unpredictable. Like we talked about it, your thousand and one favorite thousand one underdog. Mm -hmm. It actually doesn't matter. No. You know, we talk about the Kamar Usman, Leon Edwards fight where you're, he's winning yeah. 90% of the fight the and all time. of a sudden gets caught and then mm -hmm. wakes up and says, what the heck? I'm not champion anymore. You know, it's. But it's why we love it. Right. And even the way Kamara responded after that was, this is why we love the sport. And yeah. that's, that's the kind of the mentality you you have to have or else you're just going to you know, crawl into a hole and give up. Do you, do you think he really does love that? Or do you think that people say what they're supposed to say? Because 
I don't love Lucy. No, no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, well, well, we, we, we talked about that too. I, I think, uh, it's hard because no, you don't want to lose ever, mm-hmm. but at some point, you know, we kind of talked about, I've Kamaru and myself and a multitude of other fighters have been on the positive side of that. Yeah. You know, where it's, you throw a punch or you throw a kick, you didn't even really know it was going to land. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're on the floor, you're getting your hand raised. You're like, holy cow. I love the yeah. parody of right. this sport. I love the unpredictability of the sport. I love mm-hmm. how the fights can just be over and I can get my hand raised and go collect my paycheck and kiss my wife. So you can't love and accept that when it goes your way. Right. But not also be a little bit, you know, you hate it and it right. might, might you, your inner demons start coming out where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I knew I wasn't that good. I knew I wasn't going to be hang on, hang on for that long. I knew mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, you can't be accepting of the good and loving of the good and, you know, take all the credit for whenever it does go good without also having a little bit of intro, introspection and look yourself in the mirror and mm-hmm. say, well, sometimes you're just going to get caught. Sometimes yeah. you're going to be on the crappy side of it. Yeah, I know. You know, and as we as we've mentioned too, the crowd can be fickle because huh. I I see the comments and you know Kamaru he like against Covington they would be you know Colby would be like more personal. Kamaru seemed like he was more professional, and then I saw kind of the tide turn where he was champion, defending champion, and then he was like wearing the coats with no shirts and the chains. <laughs> yeah. And so then, and, and that's fine. I, I have yeah. no problem with it. I, I, I love that part. I mean, that's, you know, you follow these personalities and these fighters because of their, their uniqueness. But then when you lose and you've had the, the chains and the jacket, then people are like, Oh, see, yeah. you, you know, you got too full of yourself, you yeah. know, is that as a fighter, that's gotta be difficult. Yeah, it is. I mean, whether you win or lose, I mean, it's, it's, uh, at some point, and I, and I really did realize this when I came to the UFC because it was such a bigger platform, you mm-hmm. know, and I've been signed with the UFC now for two, two and a half years. You're just left up to so much public opinion mm-hmm. by everybody, just by millions and millions of people. So at some point, and you know, you know my personality, I, I want people to like me. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be, I want to walk into a room and people like say, I like that guy. I, I think be. everybody wants well, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, want that. Right. <laughs> um, and there's, there's certain people that far, that far and few between, like, you're just like, doesn't bother them at all. Right. People hate them. I'm yeah. Like, how, I don't know how you do that. I wish I had a little bit more of that, but <laughs> it is, it is tough, you know, um, because you are just left up to the court of public opinion, you know, yeah. and, and obviously we live in a social media age these days. We live mm-hmm. in a, we live in a, we live in a day now where everybody has been given a voice with mm-hmm. their little Twitter fingers. And yeah. They've been given an opportunity to make a comment on every single thing that right. you do. Right. And you could choose to either just be like, well, I'm not going to put anything out there because I don't want criticism or you can live your life, be authentically you. Mm-hmm. The people that are going to love you are going to love you. And the people that are not going to love you are just not going to like you. It's yeah. just part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I was thinking about that too. Um, in a sport like your profession, losses are going to happen because if you look at it right now, if you look at the list of champions, um, most of them are new champions mm-hmm. with zero title defenses. I think, uh, let's see, Lee, or not, uh, Sterling has one. Yep. Everybody else is pretty much yeah. zero. Uh, oh, no. Um, Volkanovsky has four. Oh, yeah, Volkanovsky's. And so, but the point is, it's like these are all people win, people lose. There's new guys coming up. So, yeah, yeah it's not like people are going on Anderson Silva type nine year runs of un- undefeated. 10 years you know yeah which is which is a a crazy kind of a crazy time and i don't know 
I don't know if it's because, you know, similar to what we've talked about too, that the sport is continuing to evolve mm-hmm. and there's so it's getting very crowded with the amount of contenders that there are that are good enough to actually win the fights. You know, mm-hmm. back when you were watching Anderson Silva and you knew love Forrest Griffin, but there ain't no way he was gonna beat him. Right. You know, you look at, you know, Chael got Chael got close. Mm-hmm. Um, but even before that fight, I was like, Man, I love Chael. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he could get it done against Anderson. You know, there was every time Anderson stepped in there, like, man, uh, yeah, we might, we're going to watch it, but he's, Anderson's going to win. Yeah. Whereas now these fights are so competitive. Mm-hmm. These, there's the contenders, the number two, the number three, the number four guy or gal in the world is they can come in and, and win it on any given night. Not to mention the fact of the puncher's chance, not to mm-hmm. mention the fact of, of this sport being over in a blink of an eye. Yeah. You just get, you know, the night just goes, <laughs> your lights go out and it's over. Oh, so it's, uh, it is interesting, um, and people are going to lose, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that's why we like it too. You know, we you know we love we love winners, but we also love to see how somebody comes back from a loss, how somebody mm-hmm. pulls himself back up, how a guy like Kamara, who was so dominant, didn't look like he was going to, you know, lose to too many people recently. How does he come back? Yeah, you know? it, does that infant? I mean, is there an air <clears throat> of in- invincibility like for him? Like, <clears throat> I wonder if he thought that. I'm not going to lose. Yeah. And these guys aren't on my level. And then all of a sudden, boom, whoa. I wonder if that, can that change how he approaches everything? Probably. I think, I mean, that was the, that was the only, only time he's ever been knocked out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and honestly, I think Leon just won knockout of the year too, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of people's eyes. So it was a, not only did he lose, he got knocked out and it was a pretty devastating knockout. And, but you know, it's uh it's hard to talk about because you know, you never want to see a guy yeah. lose, but it's just, it's just the part, it's a part of the sport. It's just, it's just crazy. And it's, no, I know. but it's also, if you're pursuing anything worthwhile whatsoever, if mm-hmm. you're trying to be a man or a woman of impact, if you're trying to do something that that wells something up inside of you that then in turn other people can see and it wells something up inside of them, mm-hmm. you're leaving yourself up to not just criticism, but you're leaving yourself up to loss, to yeah. the trials and the tragedies and the putting valleys. You know, you're putting yourself out there. And, yeah. and ultimately that's, what else is life if you're not doing that? You yeah. know? So that's why I've always said that mixed martial arts and fighting is a metaphor for life you know those the fights that we are in inside of an octagon in some arena in some city on Mm -hmm. on any given saturday night is a metaphor for the fights that we're all going through in in our lives and the way that we watch people overcome the odds or we watch somebody Mm -hmm. be extremely dominant or we watch a nice crazy back and forth battle it's it's a it's a metaphor for all the things that we're going through in life yeah it's true it's um and i would imagine I'm thinking of Camaro again, but that losing at the tail end of a fight, it feels like would be, might be better than if you get knocked out in the first 30 seconds and you didn't really get a chance to show. I mean, I can't imagine going through a training camp, doing everything and then having something land just right out of the gate. I mean, how how, has that happened to you? Um, That has happened to me one time uh, when I fought Pitbull and and Bellator. Mm -hmm. It was like, had a great training camp, just uh, phenomenal 10 weeks of training. Everything was firing on all cylinders. I'm 100% confident. Mm-hmm. Go out there, beat this guy, and then boom, you get caught, you know, yeah. behind the ear. And then it's, you know, whether it be the ref's early stoppage or right. it's weird, whatever, you're just like, it's part of the game, yeah. you know, or you get injured or there's there are these all these different things. And that's that's what's unfortunate about mixed martial arts. There's so much time between the fights, yeah. you know, and you can't write that wrong, you can't immediately. Write wrong immediately. It's going to take a while. And it's just, yeah, 
you know, and you train so hard. And for me, mm -hmm. I leave my family for you know right. eight weeks, and you're just like you make all these sacrifices, and then it just certain times it just doesn't feel mm -hmm. unfair. But what is fairness? Either? Yeah, you know, I know, we we all, you can all get caught in that. It's human nature to wander, and yeah. it's human nature to, to just you know, you know, play the oh woe is me here yeah. and there, and mm -hmm. then you're like, wait a second, just snap out of it, and you're like, yeah. okay, wait a second, tomorrow is going to be another day. The sun really will set tonight, yeah. and I get another opportunity tomorrow. And what I do with tomorrow is ultimately going to prove or prove to the doubters or prove to the supporters and mm -hmm. also continue to move forward in the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's good points for sure. Um, so in regard to fighting, like when you're going, obviously landing a clean shot KO, that's good. What do you think is like the most? So, so if the damage is adding up, where do you see like the most devastating type shot? That's not a KO. Is it a lip? Like, is it the, the low calf? Is it a body shot? Where do you, like, if you land something and you're like, that's gonna, that's impacting them. Yeah, so obviously. What is that? that? Yeah, obviously that uh, that headshot KO, that's, yeah. that's a given, of course. Yeah. But the rest of the body, um, I mean, the liver can also be the same way where it's not unconsciousness. Turns it off. Yeah, it's not unconsciousness, but essentially your body just your body just freezes up and seizes up. It just hurts, or what is it? It hurts really bad, and you can't breathe. Mm. But there's also like you know how you get you get the the wind knocked out of yeah. you, and it's almost like a panic. Right. Even if at, at your age you probably had your the wind mm -hmm. knocked out of you a couple dozen times. Mm -hmm you still feel like you might actually die. This might be the time that I'm actually going to <laughs> yeah. die. And then all of a sudden you can finally get your breath back. Mm -hmm. The liver is, is similar to that, but mm. not in a, not in a lungs type of way, obviously, right. but it, but it does just, yeah. you kind of just like your body just seizes up. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's more of a one shot KO type of deal as well. But yeah, I mean the, the leg kicks these days, the way guys are utilizing the leg kick. And, and we talked about this as well, that, that uh that quad shot like your normal leg kick you can yeah. take a decent amount of those to the legs it's mm -hmm. going to start impeding your movement start impeding impeding the muscle functions and the motor functions of how you're able to lift your foot and how you're able to mm -hmm. kind of stagger back and forth in footwork but those low calf kicks are are something special these days like yeah. <laughs> guys who get good at them there's just no there's no fat and there's very and there's very little space for the mm -hmm. capsule of the muscle to to swell at all. So you take a one or two of those, start swelling. It's also down there by a bunch of nerves by your by your foot by and obviously everything starts at your feet. That's how you move. Yeah, you know everything starts at the feet and you're bouncing around on your toes and on your balls of your feet. Yeah, and all of a sudden that's taken away. Then you start to become not only a moving target, but you also can't track the guy down. So I think accumulation wise, leg kicks can be so much more effective than we mm -hmm. thought they were say five years ago you know now the last five years you're seeing a lot yeah i'm mean, also seeing a lot more <clears throat> broken legs too yes for sure because i think so many people are throwing more kicks and then other guys are we're also getting to check them better at checking kicks mm -hmm. because we know they're coming what how do you decide where to aim your kick like low calf or quad how do you decide um i'm more of a quad guy because i think you, it, it does take a excuse me it does take a little bit more length to go even though to go low yeah it's weird because the the foot and the calf seems like it's closer than the quad because your leg obviously you know bends back toward you um but you have to get closer to hit that mm -hmm. low kick because it is low you know you're basically got to lower your your butt down to to kind of mm -hmm. tap them on the low leg um so I haven't really mastered those. We also talked about this too, like in training, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause you asked about the, the Tony Ferguson front kick. It's yeah. Like, how do you train that? And it's like, well, right. 
you can't really train it because if you and me are sparring, I'm a pretty bad sparring partner if I'm like, <laughs> dude, yeah. throw one right up the middle and you're like, dude, what yeah, the heck, you know? Chin. Same thing with elbows, same thing yeah. with knees. They're hard to train because you're not trying to hurt your training partners, mm -hmm. you know? Um, those low calf kicks are kind of similar too. You, yeah. you're, you're wearing shin guards, so you got a little bit of protection, but you know, I'm not trying to hit a guy with 25 calf kicks in a sparring session. Yeah, He can't no. walk and then it messes with his paycheck and his ability to train or provide for his family. You know? Right. No, I understand. Is who? Okay, that just reminds me of something. Who do you think is the hardest training fighter beside yourself that you've seen? Um, it's a good question. You know, obviously, I don't know them all. Yeah, um, I can see some of them from afar. I can tell you the one that I have spent the most time with, who I know for a fact trains hard. He's a good dude. Fights hard. Mm -hmm. It's a guy named Gilbert Burns. Oh yeah, Gilbert Burns is uh man just. The, one of the most professional guys mm -hmm. and then I see him with his wife and his boys and then I see the way that he lives his life and I just see he just lives like a champion mm -hmm. you know and and not to say that you know a lot of people don't but I mean I have been around a lot of people and I've been east coast west coast north south or all around the country training yeah. all over and you'd be surprised how many people have a decent amount of success without really living that a real championship mm -hmm. lifestyle. Um, and who am I to be the judge, judge jury and <laughs> yeah. executioner of no, it? Like everybody, everybody's got their own. Yeah. But from a standpoint of the whole package, Gilbert Burns is the whole package. And he's a nice guy. You know, you see yeah. you met him and you're like, man, he just seems like a really yeah, nice guy. He did. And those are he your did. favorite ones. The ones <laughs> you were like, you know what? I could sit here and, you know, have a beer with you and we can just yeah. talk about life and you talk about this. And then all of a sudden you watch him fight and you're like, wait, that's the guy? Yeah. That's the guy that I like felt like I could be best friends with and like, yeah, I felt like he, you know, would take care of me, you know, and like, wait, yeah, the guy out there in the cage. So I live in between the two extremes <clears throat> of crazy and humble. That isn't, that is amazing. Um, but I think a lot of people have a different perspective of him after that Hosmont fight. Yeah. Cause it was such a war Yeah, and people, you know, everybody builds these, these guys up to where they're, you know, immortal basically. And, uh, Hosmat bled. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got rocked. Yeah. And uh, that was, Burns looked so good in that fight. Yeah. he sh Well, he showed who Gilbert is. He yeah. sh showed that he was a, a champion, the champion and just a heart of a heart of a dog. Mm -hmm. But also taking that fight at a time where nobody else wanted to fight Hamzat, you know? Yeah. So he also had a decent amount to lose because he was, I think Gilbert was ranked like number two or three. Pretty high, yeah. I think he had just fought Kamaru mm -hmm. for the title. So he's number two, three, uh, three max. Um, and Hamzat was maybe top 10, yeah. maybe number 10, something right. like that. So there was, yeah. a, there was a little bit to lose. And mm -hmm. you're fighting Hamzat, who's just a, an absolute beast. He's giant, yeah. You know, and he's big. You know, yeah. you talk about, you saw him, you're like, <laughs> how is this going to make 170? I know, it's insane. You know, so so the the odds of of Gilbert taking, you know, taking the fight that he you know, probably shouldn't have been taking. Yeah. You know, he's a lot, taking on a lot of risk and then going out there to fight the way they did. That's why we love him. Oh, man. And I mean, he kind of showed a glimpse of that against uh, Kamaro because he rocked him. Yeah. Think, didn't he knock him down? He knocked him on his butt. Yeah, he did. So it's like people, because they talked about, I think, he's known for jujitsu mostly. Yeah. And so you always wonder about the hands and where are they at compared to the ground game. And he showed that power against Camaro, knocked him on his butt and yeah. then showed that dog and that real heart against Hosmod in just a war. And I almost, man, it was a close fight. It was close. It was close. It's like, um, I could see him even getting that decision with a few more different, 
exchanges going a different way, but yeah, very impressive. It was awesome. And, and that's two weeks ago. We talked about our coach, Henry Hooft. It's, I think he actually just posted a video today of the, mm. the when he knocked out Damian Maya, you know, mm -hmm. so it was, it was cool. They were, they were training that in the back, in the back room before the fight, that just quick check hook, quick check hook mm -hmm. on the southpaw when he comes in with the, the jab. So there's these little, you know, there's these little, habits and idiosyncrasies like tells guys, yeah little tells that you i mean can, does that pick up on how often does that happen where you see i mean how often do guys go back to the well on what they like to do is that can they help it does yeah. it just happen all the time in a I fight th i think a lot of times it happens you yeah. know i mean there's just there's certain habits and tendencies that you're going to have no matter what mm -hmm. you know same thing with you we were just talking about on the way back over breakfast how uh how you run, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I might strike on the outside of my foot. People right. ask you and you're like, well, I don't really know, but there is a way that you run, whether you pay attention to it or not. Mm -hmm. And how hard is it going to be to change that? You know, yeah. especially when you're, you know, mixed martial arts, <clears throat> that's why we talk about boxing. Like those guys just have to focus on boxing. We have yeah. to focus on six different techniques, if you will. Yeah. Um, but a lot of guys have a lot of the same habits. Yeah. And then do you see that in a fight where you're see, like, when you see a window and you see what they're doing, <clears throat> how, how do you try to take advantage of that right away? Or do you wait for mm. a better, better time? It's a good question. There's probably a lot of guys who wait. I, mm -hmm. I just go and, just go, <laughs> and go, you know, I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think I'm just, uh, I train so hard and so disciplined and I'm just like, kind of just like a coiling of a spring. Yeah. I'm just like coiling and coiling and coiling and ready. Like as soon as that button gets go, the yeah. bell rings and Bruce, Bruce gets done, the cage door closes and bing, it's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Like shot out of a cannon. Yeah. And the way you go in and the, your punching style is we we're talking about, because I asked if you prefer fighting guys, your height or taller guys. And you said your height, then we we're thinking about it. And it's like, you've, KO'd people taller than you. So I was yeah. wondering if how you punch, how it comes in like a little high, maybe yeah. they're, that's their heads in the sweet spot for a taller guy for you. I agree. Yeah. I think yeah, we started talking, I was like, well, maybe actually, because, cause you, I always have had to somewhat train for guys that are a little bit taller than mm -hmm. me. You know, I had to wrestle a lot of times wrestling guys who were longer than me as well. And then, and then now fighting guys who are a little bit taller than me. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just by tendency. And also my coach is a little bit taller too. So naturally yeah. my, my punches are probably a little bit higher. So Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. First Light Farms has been a great sponsor of the podcast because... Bottom line, not everybody gets their bowl every year. So some people's freezer isn't filled with elk meat. For people like that, they want an option of how can they eat elk meat that's great tasting and really as close to wild as you can get. Because if you look where these elk are raised in New Zealand, it's mountainous country. So if you're looking for an option of great tasting, lean, high quality protein, check out First Light Farms. So how do you think you match up against Islam? Isn't he's the champion of your weight division right now? He is. Yeah, he's and he's good. He has, uh, you know, he has continued to prove that he is better than I thought he was for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, man, he's he's good. He is. I think, you know, he's not going to be he's not the greatest striker, if you will. Yeah. Obviously, we, you know, 
And I only say that because his grappling is so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd say the same thing about Khabib. Khabib's strike isn't that great. Yeah. But it's only because his his grappling is so good. You know? Right. So obviously that Dagestani um, wrestling grappling mm -hmm. is is a, is a bear. You know, yeah. It's, it's something that people people crumble underneath. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we'll see what happens with him and Volkanovsky here in the next couple of weeks. And I think Islam has the ability to to hold the title for a, a, little, a little, little while, you Do know? Do you like that matchup with you and him? I mean, do you see like things you could take advantage of? I do because I I do think I could turn it into a uh, you know keep it on the feet if I wanted to mm -hmm. because I you know Islam's got great wrestling and Islam mm -hmm. is very strong. He's a little bit taller than I am he, mm -hmm. and he he gets guys down. He finds a way to get get guys down because similar to Khabib, he already makes up his mind. Okay, we're standing right now, but it's only until I want to take you down. Right. It's only until I shoot. on his terms. You know, I think uh, especially with a training camp where I really focused on wrestling a ton mm -hmm. and wrestling defense a ton, I think I could stop a decent amount of the takedowns and keep it more of a standing fight. And I think in a standing fight, I think I'm a little bit have a little bit of the edge mm -hmm. there, both in power and just just willingness to engage. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, well, that would be an, an amazing fight. It'll be good, yeah. But you know, I lost to Poirier last fight, so it's like, well, now I'm a couple fights away from that, so I gotta freaking work my my way back up. Well, let's, <laughs> let's get a big payday with Connor. Oh, see, I like that. That's a good idea, <laughs> Connor. July International Fight Week. Anybody? Let's. Oh go. man, how sick would that be? Mm -hmm. Um, I, so in in regard to training, you have a new training app. Right? I do. Yeah, and tell me about that. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, it's been kind of a vision 10 years in the making ever mm -hmm. since ever since i really started putting out a lot of fitness videos and people even you know mma fans give me crap too they're like man do you ever train mma i'm like well i do train mma mm -hmm. but it just so happens that i i do have a passion for fitness and i mm -hmm. do think fitness fitness just translates better to social media as well because somebody can watch it look at it write it down and use it mm -hmm. whereas if they watch me hit pads or they watch me spar yeah it might be entertaining but i'm not really adding them value. right and that's what i've always wanted to do with my my platform similar mm -hmm. to you it's like what how do i bring people value what what words can i say what lessons can be taught or what actual practical things can i pass along to people mm -hmm. to help them live the best life possible so um, over the last eight to ten years people just said hey when are you coming out with your training programs when are you coming out with you know program diet mindset all that kind of stuff right. so i created uh, an app walk on fitness uh, we just finally got a approval on the app store mm -hmm. and google play and all that kind of stuff it took a turns out it takes longer to build your build an app from scratch and it takes longer to get approval than you think oh, it's going to okay, I see. um so we started off we have four fitness programs mm -hmm. um one that's just a i put you through 20 minute workouts 20 mm -hmm. minute circuit workouts where there's um it's 12 total workouts um 20 minute workouts no body work body weight um only no equipment needed mm. then we have a four week upper body program four week lower body program and then there's a six week kind of train like me mm -hmm. um more of a higher level program that mm. a certain amount of people are going to want but we really are a fitness app for everybody I if you want to just do a upper body program you don't need to do the weights that i do but just do the reps that i do mm -hmm. and do the exercises that i do and you're going to see results and mm. then we're going to continue to add more diet more nutrition, right? Eventually, you know, supplements. Eventually, an online kind of an online store where you can get all your supplements, get all your meal prep, everything that you need to become happy, healthy, and harder to kill. And then we're also going to have a lot of mindset stuff on there because mm. you are what you are and where you are because of what goes into your mind. That's right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> also with the with the training, um, you talked about meals, and you know, you can't outwork a bad diet. Yeah. So I know 
I liked what you were saying about like when you get into a fight camp and you know, those last eight weeks, I think the first four, you've got a 12 week camp, first four weeks are just kind of getting dialed in. Last eight weeks are pretty strict with the meals and you just yeah. see exactly what um, the, you have a meal program sent to you, right? Yeah. So I use mega fit meals and I have mm-hmm. four, shoot, like six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they're the best tasting ones that I've used over mm-hmm. the last, you know, little while. Cause I've tried a, a decent amount of them, you know, either they got too much salt and, or like extra water or some kind of like just weird rubbery yeah. chicken taste. Mega fit meals is, is close to me as well. Um, so it's an easy, quick ship. And then, mm-hmm. and then I can just tailor my custom meals to whatever I want. If I want eight ounces of protein and two cups of vegetables, I can do that. Or if I want lighter ones where it's only four ounces of protein or six mm-hmm. ounces of protein and one cup of vegetables. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of wake up like we talked about. I fast in the morning until mm-hmm. after my first workout, eat my first mega fit meal. A couple hours later, have maybe a little snack and then have my second workout and then have my second mega fit meal. And then, go to bed and do it all over again. Groundhog's day, get down to 155. <laughs> and then you're, so you're consuming around 2000 calories or under, or under, under. Yeah. Usually I think, uh, I think I'm usually sitting between like 12 and 1500, mm-hmm. right? which, which me training as hard as I do twice a day yeah. for that eight week period is definitely working at a calorie deficit. Right. Um, so I definitely want to make sure I increase my fats. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a lot of my energy from fats. I don't do a lot of carbs in camp. Right. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do, but it's kind of worked well for me, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I've done it for probably six, seven years now. Um, and then, yeah, just the first couple of weeks is a little tough, Yeah, which the first couple of weeks of anything is tough. Like, right. like we talked about running, you know, my legs don't feel great from the running that we've done because I've done more running, you know, yesterday than I have in the last <laughs> month or so. But it's like, yeah. if, if I continue to run, eventually I get used to it. Mm-hmm. Eventually I get better at it eventually the pain goes away or the the you know for with the diet you get less hangry you get yeah. your body just adjusts and i right. think i think god created our bodies to be extremely adaptable to what That's we right. want it to be make the body literally make the body like your servant you and you can make it that way if you just continue to do what you yeah. want it to do discipline yeah and I, i've said that that your body will give what you ask of it yeah and if you don't ask much it's not going to give you much yeah. but if you ask a lot just like we did yesterday and like you do in camp your body responds yep. it, it's an incredible machine if you will um but it's just i did was thinking too it's like i might have screwed up my entire podcast <laughs> potential because we started off yesterday and we didn't plan this, but as my first guest, it's like, okay, let's make this memorable. We ended up doing a marathon and lifting weights and it's like shooting, you know, you did a great job shooting the bow at 74 yards. And so now I'm like, okay, now this is a standard and everybody else is going to be looking at this going, I'm, are you, you expect yeah. me to do this? So I might've screwed myself. No, on the yeah, podcast. Yes. To, to all future guests. Cause I know you got a list and I know you already talked to people. <laughs> <clears throat> you don't have to do what we did. It was, it was partly my idea as well. I was like, yeah. I think you and I have been chomping at the bit to, to get this. And we're like, I don't care if there's cameras here or we're doing this. We just want to get, we want to do this. because This is going to be gonna fun. Do it. Yeah. So it's like, but we talked about this too, the, the essence of, of who you are and, and how you've built this platform and how, you know, you didn't necessarily try to do it. You're just, you're just being campaigns. And I put my camera on me here and there and people love it. Mm-hmm. People love it because it's, it's authentic. And also people want to see people doing things out of the ordinary and do things that are hard. 
you don't have to run a marathon for it to be your heart. Your heart could be something else like yes. we talked about. But just coming here and getting immersed in the experience, having an awesome conversation, doing something a little bit hard, mm-hmm. but also you know challenges you spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, and every, I think it's great that every single time it will be different. It yeah. isn't like, hey, this is what we do every time. This is that's right. This was the first one. This was me. Yeah. And I even for me, for my personal, I don't know. I I, I wanted to be able to finish the marathon. Like I, I <laughs> you know, I was like, well, we kind of were like, we know we're running again later. We're at least going to be at what 15, 16, 17. Might as well just go to twenty six. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. So last night was uh last night was a doozy. Yeah. In the middle of the night, basically. It was great. It's like, but I think you you made a good point too. It's like. When you're around people who that's okay, here's what we do, yeah. then it changes your mindset. It's like you wouldn't have, I, I probably wouldn't have run a marathon yesterday either by myself. You wouldn't have for sure back Definitely. at home because you haven't. But together, <clears throat> you get around these people that elevate your game. You know, and, and, you know, I made, I know you made a reference of it yesterday that a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. And it's like that was a, a snapshot of it just two guys two guys training it's like hey let's push each other let's do a little bit more than we otherwise would have and then sometimes magic happens and we're on top of pisco last night a summit 10 o'clock at night or whatever it was of course nobody else out there and we had just finished a marathon i mean how how great a feeling is that? it was really really cool you know and and like i said even for me i wouldn't have done it on my own Mm -hmm. you know but i but I could do it with you by my side because mm-hmm. I know, well, A, you've been there and done that. And B, if you, you know, if you can do it, it gives me the, the permission that I can do it. You right. Know? And Dream then of course, Yeah, of course. And, but I think that's what we, that is the essence of, of our human existence. You know, yeah. like God created us for community. God created us for relationships and we can be inspired by those around us. And I, I, honestly think running a marathon was easier than I thought it was, but mm. I think it was easier than I thought it was because you were there. Yeah. Right. You know, if, if, if you, if, you know, next week, if I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna go run a marathon by myself, it's going to be a lot harder. Actually. Right. Right. But because I was watching your feet go, just watching them and I could just go with your cadence and just like, okay, we're here. And we have a little bit of conversation here and there. And a couple of those times it got hairy when we were actually climbing the mountain. I'm like, Cam, don't talk to me, you know, but, uh, you know, you unlocked my, <clears throat> you unlocked my running potential mm-hmm. by not even trying to. You were just, you were just running and I, but you welled something up inside of me right. that it was actually easier than I thought it was. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I woke up this morning and, you know, a little sore, but <laughs> it was good. We did it. We finished. Well, I think people, they get so used to this narrative where, so if you say, well, I'm going to run a marathon, people, the natural inclination would be like, well, have you even been training? Yeah. You know, they, they want to shoot it down before they know anything because it's like, we're ingrained. It's like, well, that's hard. That's, you know, you got to take six months to recover from a marathon. That's been a thing people will say. So they give you all these reasons. Do you have the right shoes? Do you, whatever? It's like, just ignore all that. And like, no, we're going to run a marathon. It might take, you know, a few hours. We're going to cover the distance and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And at the other side of it, we're going to have a whole different view on running, I guess, or what, what we're capable of, or if we're around certain people, what we can do together. And it's like, but it all, you have to get going. And yes, if there are excuses you can make. You can say, well, I haven't been preparing. I'm, you know, as you said, it's been the holiday season. It's yeah. Christmas. It's New Year's. I haven't been doing this. So he had plenty of, of opportunity to say, yeah, I'm not really prepared for this. How about if we just do 10 and I would have been 
sweet, let's do 10, no, no biggie. But instead, your mentality and us together, it, we, it allowed us, as you said, gave us permission to do more, yeah. to dream bigger. Yeah, well, and, and I don't want to, I also don't want to have people hear, because they know who you are, and if they watch mixed martial arts or they see mixed martial arts or they look me up, they're like, okay, this guy's a little bit kind of crazy too. Mm-hmm. Like Maybe you're... Maybe you aren't. Maybe you are just starting your fitness journey. You're listening to a guy who runs a marathon a day often, and a guy over here who fights every day, every no. single day, two a.m. <laughs> you know, like. But you got to start where you're at, and also just get around people. Maybe for you, a for me, a huge win was running a marathon yesterday with yeah. two hands, and it's and awesome. part of it was uphill. But maybe for you, if you're starting your fitness journey, or you're starting your weight loss journey, or you're starting your spiritual journey, whatever whatever journey you're starting. Mm-hmm. It's just putting one foot in front of the other without sounding cliche, just like we're talking about running. It is yeah. maybe for you, it's, it is a walk around the block and mm-hmm. then a month from now, it's a couple of walks around the block and then starting to jog a little bit and then mm-hmm. starting to change this and then getting around people who say, you know what? I believe in you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you didn't have to tell me, Hey, I believe in you that you can do this marathon, right. but it was, it, but it was, you were unlocking that potential mm-hmm. in me just by being there with me. And it's, it goes back to community and relationships and, and also being around people and be inspired by people. Cause we can also get so caught up in the social media age where we're like, well, I'm going to watch this guy do this guy out here is pushing himself and living his dream and mm-hmm. how I'm inspired, mm-hmm. you know, but then you just, the inspiration goes away until you look at the next guy and then the yeah. next guy and the next guy and you never actually do anything right right? you know you gotta you gotta take the action and Mm -hmm. the other thing too is just like i gave the kind of the example of i'm a little bit less sore than i thought i was going to be and it was actually a little bit easier than i thought it was would be but i would never have known that yeah had we not tried it right and i think this this idea of people being so afraid of failure because i there was moments there where i was like shoot dude like I'm about to finish this marathon because last night we had a nice little dinner, had some elk and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I got 15 miles ahead of me. Yeah. It's like, what if I, uh, what if I got to tell Cam I got, I got to tap out here? But, but I was willing to to do that. Yeah. Number one, because of who you are, I know you wouldn't judge me, and it would have been just fine. I, but, but also, you don't know what you're capable of unless you're willing to mm-hmm. fail. Put it out. Unless there. you're willing to fall flat on your face and be laughed at and mm-hmm. point fingers pointed at. You know? Yeah. So no matter where you're at on your fitness journey or your any journey that you're on, mm-hmm. a get around the people that you want to emulate and be around who or somebody that wells something up inside of you, and b don't be afraid of failing because if you ain't failing, you ain't trying. Right, that's right. I mean, I think that's a good point too about surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, I remember growing up, n- nobody was telling me I could do more and be more, and so you, so that was hard to overcome. Yeah, when, when you have to overcome people wanting to keep you down makes it tough when you're around people who actually want to see you succeed it's like it's like this is how it could be yeah this is how life could be it seems like a whole different life to me and so now that's what i've tried to cultivate as people this the whole point to this podcast is being around people who instead of the reasons not to it's like no these are reasons these are people who are dreaming bigger and really changing the world and, and you are too. Um, and that's why it's, this is so valuable to me to be sitting across the table from you and just learning from you. You know, a lot of what you say and, and your, your demeanor and, um, just how you present yourself, it reminds me of, of my buddy Roy. Um, and in that, and I want you, you to talk about your faith too, because Roy would say he was a great hunter. He was amazing in the mountains. He, taught me how to bow hunt, taught me how to be tough. 
And he would say that bow hunting is his missions field, that God gave him certain talents that, that he can use hunting to reach people with, with his faith that otherwise he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have listened to him, but because he's out there and he's kind of a beast in the mountains, they're like, wait a second. So this guy is saying this and now what are you, what are you talking about God and Jesus and, Mm -hmm. and your faith? But they'll listen to him because of that. And, and you remind me of that. Um, people will listen to you because of your line of work, because you're a complete savage and, and you know, you're like now a household name. I mean, Michael Chandler is a household name. How has faith helped shaped your journey? Yeah, well, no, well, number one, thank you for that comparison. That's really awesome and an honor. But, you know, I, I call it the, the shiny object as well. You know, mixed martial arts is what I do, mm-hmm. but it's not who I am. It's not who I be. Yes, I am a fighter, but ultimately, you know, it's my shiny object that gets people to look and mm-hmm. say, okay, oh, wow. But then, oh, wait, there's there's some layers to this guy. There's mm-hmm. some layers to his existence. There's some layers to his mission and his platform. It's so much different than the punches and the kicks and the knees and the elbows and getting my hand raised and being under the bright lights and being known as a quote-unquote UFC fighter. There's mm-hmm. layers to him. How does he treat people or how does he love his wife? How does he serve his wife? How does he love his kids? How does he serve his kids? Um, and, man, just I think operating in gratitude for the blessings that God has given me is, has been the biggest, that's what makes me feel the most like Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we get so caught up in the ego and so caught up in the, the me, 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 when really there is no me without God having me in the palm of his hand my entire life, Mm -hmm. every single season, every single relationship, every single person that's come in, Mm -hmm. even the people that had to leave. It's been, it's been the essence of, of who I am and to not operate in the gratitude, realizing that we are where we are because of the blessings that we have had mm-hmm. and the people that have been put into our lives and the, and the ways that the ways that God has spoken through people or the ways that God has spoken through tough times, great times. Um, and, you know, living in these different seasons that have been tough. You know, we talked about I lost three fights in a row. 688 days without a win mm-hmm. back in 2012, 2013, you know, losing, <clears throat> losing the title multiple times in Bellator and then still coming back now being in the UFC, some highs and some lows, mm-hmm. um, in every season, you know, I was actually just doing a little bit of studying like Jeremiah 29, 11. We see, we hear, you know, for the plans I have for you, I know the plans that I have for you plans to plans to prosper, you know? Right. But, but a couple of verses before that, the, these people had been exiled to a, a place that they, did, they didn't want to be. But instead of instead of complaining about where they are at or saying, oh, woe is me, or being mad at God that they are in exile in a place that they don't want to be, they, they were commanded to, to build a community, to have sons and daughters, to, mm-hmm. to live in the moment and be grateful for it and wait, wait upon the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the plan that I have for you is to prosper, mm-hmm. but at some time, it, maybe it's just not the right time. The door right. needs to be closed for now. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the, the right doors open at the right time, and then you were able to walk through them. And, mm-hmm. and I think that really happened to me, and it's happened to me in my my marriage. It's mm-hmm. happened to me when we talk about building a family with my two sons now. Mm-hmm. It's happened to me in my career. And just being grateful for the blessing of being able to do what I do. you mm-hmm. know. And at some point you get to a point where you're like, wait a second. 
I don't, I mean, I deserved a little bit. I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this much. <laughs> right. like, this is, this is a, I feel so, I just feel, feel so grateful for what I have. Right. You know, and, and a lot of times the most grateful among us are the ones that continue to get more and more and more yeah. blessings, you know, and I don't know, I've been an egotistical, you know, maniac here and there, mm-hmm. you know, but, but ultimately always trying to go back to, um, just gratitude for what God has done for in my life. Is it, have you always been like that or was that a change? Um, I think it was a change. You know, I, I kind of grew up, um, I grew up Catholic and then really started going to church when I was kind of in, in high school, I got saved mm-hmm. in high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be good, a good little boy. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be, do the right know, follow the rules and do the right thing. I always wanted to, I cared a lot about reputation, cared a lot about, you know, the way people looked at me. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I really, probably these, this last 10 years or so where I really realized, because, you know, you start to mature and you start mm-hmm. to really, it's hard to have a lot of gratitude until you've been through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, without the bad days or without the, the valleys, you can't really enjoy and be grateful for the peaks and be yeah. grateful for being on top and be grateful for the triumphs, you know? So when you've gone through you know, some tough seasons and, Mm -hmm. you know, and even, and even as you grow and you find the woman of your dreams and then you start having a family and you realize how big this thing is, Mm -hmm. this life that we live and how much responsibility you have, especially as a man, you know, especially as, as a man who, you know, men, we want, we want to be admired. We want to be, we want to be looked at as Superman. We want Mm -hmm. to be respected. We want to be looked at it this certain ways. And you realize, you know, you got a wife who looks at you that way, or you got a you got, I got two boys now mm-hmm. and I have the opportunity to be Superman. I am literally Superman mm-hmm. to those kids, you know? <laughs> and it's, so you, you have such a, such a crazy, um, responsibility that, you know, you're going to fail. You're mm-hmm. going to have bad days. You're going to make wrong decisions, but ultimately trying to become the best man that you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And I think with, to whom much is given, much is required, right. you know, and that's, I think that's the culmination of with each year and each new rung that you climb and each platform that gets bigger and bigger, you start to realize, you know, I have been given much. So therefore much is required of Mm -hmm. me, obedience, um, and perseverance. And then also just trying to live a life, live a life that people look at and say, okay, I, I kind of, I, you know, I value that or I want to maybe be like that or, you know, Mm -hmm. and you just, I take pride in being a, a guy that hopefully people look at and say, okay, or a mom says, okay, I, I would want my daughter to marry a guy like that. Right. You know, I want my son to grow up and be more like that. Mm-hmm. It's been a, it's been a journey and it's been a lot of fun. Do you, do you feel pressure to be perfect to not, not uh, fail? Yeah. Every now and then I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, th- there's in, in the athletics now, you know, I mean, it's, I, I know I train hard. I know I do everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least what I think is right, you know, cause we all have our own truths, you know, maybe what I'm doing, I think is right, but it's actually the wrong thing. Right. You know, who knows in actual, like the technique and stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think once I, once I had a, now I have a family and I have two mm-hmm. boys, you know, it's, I talk about this masterpiece that I'm painting, mm-hmm. you know, that, that someday my, my sons will you know, they'll read the headlines and they'll see the fights or they'll see the, the interviews and they'll, they'll see it all. And they'll say, well, okay, my dad was, was this to, to all these different people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I feel a little bit of that pressure. And I think, I think to feel that pressure is to be human. I think some of us, you know, we, we, we want to be our best. Right. right? And I think we were called to, we were called to be so much more than just 
little wandering generalities and, and people of mediocrity on this on this earth. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, different seasons for different people. And there's going to be times of of uh, extreme accomplishment. There's going to be times of, of idleness, uh, but ultimately trying to move forward towards mm-hmm. the man or woman that you want to become. I think I think ultimately accomplishing things is great and, you know, making making an impact and having a platform or making money or business, whatever it may be is great. But ultimately it's the man that you become mm-hmm. on the other side of it. The woman that you become on the other side of it, that you can look yourself in the mirror and say, man, I'm proud of what I've built, right. the life that I've built and, and the person that I've built. Mm-hmm. No, that I, I agree with that. I, as a father, um, how do you see that going down? Cause I know as a, as a dad for me, it was hard when you, with your attitude about pushing hard and, you know, nobody's going to outwork me type thing. I know I questioned myself whether I was pushing my kids too hard too, because everybody's different. So yeah. it was like, how do you, how do you see, because how you are your personality, how do you see that translating to how you raise your kids? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I think, uh, that's a hard balance. Mm-hmm. It, re- it really is because ultimately you want to, uh, you want to make them earn things mm-hmm. because that's, that's what happens with each generation. That's, that's what success is. Your, your generate, your next generation having it better than you did. Right. But better doesn't necessarily mean easier. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just heard, uh, I think it was Damon John interviewing Shaq the other mm-hmm. day. And it's like, well, Shaq's got hundreds of millions of dollars. How do you, how do you make your kids have the same work ethic that you did? And you're like, well, make them earn it, you know? Um, so I don't know what the right answer is there, but finding these little ways that you can make them earn things or give them responsibilities mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I think they're going to know who my, my wife is a grinder as well. You know, she, she likes, she likes to work. She mm-hmm. likes, she likes going to work and creating something and bringing home a paycheck, she gets, she gets value out of all of that. And I would Mm -hmm. never take that from her. Um, so I think our sons are going to see the way that we Mm kind of push ourselves. They're going to see the way that we live our lives. And I think ultimately they're going to be drawn to it, whether they want to or not. Right. Um, you know, there's going to be instances where I step up and I just go do, and Mm -hmm. I lead by example. Right. And don't say it, don't say a word and then see how they respond. I think, you know, I do that right now. We just got a dog a couple months ago too. And it's Mm -hmm. our son Hap said, well, I, you know, I want to, I'll take him out and run him every day and, and take him out to go to the bathroom and whatnot. There's times every now and then that he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And instead of every now and then it's like, Hey, well, Hey buddy, this is, it's a good opportunity to say, Hey, this is your responsibility that you said you would do. And it's very important to to be a man of our word. And that's what Chandler's do. We are a man man of our word. But then there's also times where it's like, you know what, buddy, I got you. I got this one. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then he can see, which, which is funny. I think it's happened probably now five, six, eight times. And the majority of the time I'll take him out there mm-hmm. and a couple minutes later, that <laughs> door opens comes. and here he comes. He's like, kind of like, I realized that I didn't want you to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was a lesson in and of itself that I didn't have to say anything right. aside from, well, number one, that's what, that's what God does for us all the time too. Hey mm-hmm. son, just sit here. I got this. Right. And then it makes you feel that gratitude, yeah. right? That the, the the love of a father, right? Mm-hmm. And so even here on earth, and me doing that, and this is just one small example, but mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a pretty good little kind of metaphor, if you will. That mm-hmm. sometimes there's the hey, you need to be you need to be told that this is your responsibility, and you have yeah. to do this. And then sometimes it's like you know what, I'm going to do this one for you, mm-hmm. and you're going to watch me. You're going to watch me do it, 
and then you're still probably going to come around anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, but, that's so it's, it's a tough, delicate dance. It is <laughs> for sure. I mean, I think the biggest part is that you're leading by example, because I think as parents, a lot of times people say what they want done and they're not doing that themselves. Yeah. You know, well, I've, I've caught myself in that too, mm-hmm. you know, where, or even just the wounds of your past or the way that you were parented or mm-hmm. these different things that, that irk you about how your child responds or acts or, you know, so you, you, you really gotta, it's, it's funny too. It's like, we're leading them and we are taking care of them, but we're also learning at the yeah. same time as well. You know, right. where I can learn things by how I respond or react to the way my, my son is doing whatever he's doing mm-hmm. and I can learn things about myself because there's it's still new to me you know he's yeah. only six years old so I'm still and with with each new season and each more you know each year that goes by he's changing and he's growing and there's going to be things where I'm like oh shoot okay I might need to look at this and look mm-hmm. at myself in the mirror about why that one thing kind of bothers me yeah you know? so it's kind of interesting it is it's like I know as a young parent, I remember, you know, nobody ever asked me about my grades, right? Nobody never came up. Didn't matter if I failed, got yeah. straight A's, never, was never thing. So then as a parent, you're like, oh, I'm going to be on my kids about their grades. They're going to, so this like, so then it's like, why'd you get a C? Why'd you get this? So then you're like way overboard. It's yeah. like, okay, all, all we needed to do is show that we care yeah. and we want them to succeed. Don't have to be a tyrant about it to offset that nobody ever cared. But so it's like, that seems like the overcorrecting part is the mistakes I made anyway, as a parent, it's like, nobody ever cared about me. I'm going to care so much. I'm going to drive these guys crazy. These kids wow. crazy. No, that's, and that's an interesting. That's a, it's a perfect example of, you know, like what, what you just said, like mm-hmm. it, your experience and your because we all have these things that we're working through no matter what, no matter what age that you're at, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why, that's why it is so important to, and obviously the fact that your parents didn't care about your grades, I don't really think that's a, a wound that you needed to really mm-hmm. heal necessarily. It just, it just, uh, created a, something in your parenting mm-hmm. in your parenting style. Right. But I think it's one thing that as human beings that we don't address enough is, is that we do all have these wounds and mm-hmm. we do all, all have these things about us that we, we need to fix or that we should fix. And maybe it doesn't need to be today. Maybe it's going to take time or maybe it needs to, you know, things need to work themselves out, but really, really working on yourself and working on working through the things that you've been through, mm-hmm. whether they are traumatic or they're just little things about you that, you know, could, could be improving, you know? And I think that's, that's one thing about, I mean, obviously you, the way that you live your life, I mean, you, you lift and run and shoot every single day, but it's all, it's all in order to continue to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all a A plus B equals C. If I do this, I'm going to be more, uh, capable in the woods. I'm going to be more capable on the trails. I'm going to be more capable in life, you know? So it's trying to find your best version of yourself, um, with each new season that comes along. And that's what growing up is, which yeah. is crazy. Well, I, I just know for me, I don't feel like I have any natural talent, but it's like, nobody can really question hard work. Nope. It's like, what, what, what can you say? You're, I mean, you're expending too much effort. You're working too hard. You shouldn't work so hard. People don't really say that they can, they can criticize a lot of other things, but that's like, if they're going to say, Hey, you're working too hard. I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that all day. That's one criticism I'll take all day long. <laughs> you're doing too much. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like someone sounds like something that someone who's not doing enough would say. <laughs> That's usually to how a guy like me. <laughs> but it's still, you know, words still impact us. It's crazy how, you know, you're like you, you know, well this person you shouldn't care about what this person says, but how just how we're built as humans, words have have impact, have meaning and they they shape us and can influence us. Yeah. It's it's tough. Well, yeah, and it's kind of what we we were talking about this the other day about just since we all are so connected now via social media there could be someone all the way across the country that i will never ever step foot within a hundred miles of a thousand miles of Mm -hmm. who could write a comment that would somehow i read and it will affect my day and it's how we kind of talked about too going back to god created us for relationships Mm -hmm. created us for community we used to be in these small communities where you know, if you and me are both living here in the same city and we're friends and we're hanging out and we're getting coffee a couple times a week or whatever, you say something, it's like, th- that means something. Yeah. Because we are in community. We are in relationship. You are a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And now there's just, there's so much outside noise from right. so many people that, well, A, we talked about too. I don't even know if half of these accounts are even real <laughs> on social media. Right. You know, you're like, is this a real person or a bot or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard. And, and words are you know, the most kind of the most impactful thing in our life. They yeah. really are, especially the ones that are the closest to us said from the people that are closest to us, but even just the chatter, you know, because yeah. you can read something enough to where you, you actually believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, something completely fake, false, not true about <laughs> you or whatever. And you can yeah. read it so much that, oh. it, that it becomes a reality. And it's just that that human nature, you scroll past all the positives and then you stop on the negative. And what, yeah. how, what I do to myself to try to justify it, that I shouldn't be listening to this guy is, so I'll click on their profile and normally it's nothing, like no posts and whatever. Yeah. So it's easy to write that one off. So, But you have to click on it to see like, okay, who's saying this? And, and is there any weight to this at all? Usually there's not. But then if it is somebody, then I'm like, hmm, why... This guy seems legit. Why is he saying this about yeah. me? So it's like this whole process of like validating whether it means anything or not. Yeah. Well, well number one, you're kind of embarrassed of yourself that you even did the click to even yeah. check it. Because I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, zero post. Okay. So this wasn't even a real person. Right. And yeah. I, had, I had to talk to my wife about that. I'm like, hey, sweetie, <laughs> just so you know, every now and then click on some of these things and see how many of them are most likely yeah. fake. Um, but then on the flip side, when it is a real person, I mean, it's kind of what we talked about too. It's like, man. I feel like I'd try to do things right. I Why don't you like to, me? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> if let's just say you're a mixed martial arts fan and, and like, I'm not saying I'm the cat's meow or I'm, but it, like I check all the boxes of the guy that you probably would like to yeah. like watch fight. You know, <laughs> I fight pretty hard. I'm kind yeah. of entertaining. Like I don't, you know, so then you're like, then you start scratching your head, but then all of a sudden you catch yourself you're like, wait, who is this Joe from Joe <laughs> yeah. from freaking Poughkeepsie, Mississippi. Right. Never going to meet him in my life. Like, you know, then you kind of get embarrassed of yourself a little bit like, gosh, dang, dude, how, 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 mean sh- how, how shattered is your ego right now about this person you'll never meet? But I know <laughs> that's what's, I think that's what we were talking about with the, the community and like letting people have a say that shouldn't, don't really deserve it, yep. you know, and it, but it's so hard, you know, and it's like, I don't want to talk about that. That's negative because there's the positive part is that that's a big reason why we've connected or like I've connected with a lot of people. So there's a lot of blessings with social media yeah. because it has expanded our world and allowed like-minded people to connect and become friends. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's negative, but there's a lot of positive too. It's just that yeah. the key is just making sure you're 
you're assigning the right weight to all of it. Yeah. Well, if anything, I guess if anything, it, it really does give you an opportunity to really become more and more resilient with negative, mm-hmm. negative comments. Yeah. Negative. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, you growing up, however many years ago before there was social media, mm-hmm. you never had to deal with all these other things. So it only happened within your, yeah your small little community that we lived in. Now everything has expanded worldwide. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it's maybe given you more resilience to be like, well, you know what, if I'm able to just push that one off to the side, I can, I can be a little bit more resilient in all these other areas of my life. I don't know. I try to find a positive in, in everything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's still tough. You it's, know, it's definitely made me thicker skin for <laughs> yeah. sure. I mean, now it's like, it's really tough for somebody to say something that I'm going to care about, but yeah. yeah, it was, it was hard at first, you know, but I think it's because that you start with that small circle where everybody knows you and so their words actually are can sting you know because they know they know there's truth to something that they say there there might not be truth to something some random stranger says so anyway it's definitely made me thicker skinned um so i i was i had this this vision in my head or not this vision but a question i was going to ask if you're in your perfect fight do you like if you went out quick ko take no damage or do you like being in a war where you win oh man you know these days i'm like man i've been i've had enough i've had enough wars mm-hmm. you know like if uh i see i see a lot of character on your face a little, there. A little a couple scars He's, I got, <laughs> my face tells a story yeah you know uh I would love to just be able to go in there and just knock a dude out real quick. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, get, get, in, out, of get there. out, collect my paycheck, kiss my wife, go home to my boys. Like that's, yeah. that's ideal for me, you mm-hmm. know, not be able to sleep that night. Cause I'm so pumped up about the performance that I just put on and, and how everyone's buzzing and, and it's, it's just, it's part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would much rather just go in there and knock someone out. Yeah. You know, it's just because <laughs> even though, cause as people have said that, man, you train 12 weeks to go out there and knock this dude out in 30 seconds. Do you feel like you wasted time? No, I trained that hard so I could do that, you know, and it's much better than, you know, 15, 25 minute war peeing blood afterwards and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think if I think of myself, not as a fighter, but just as whatever to me, I don't know why, but maybe it's my ego. I do like being banged up. Like I'll do a race. I like hurt. My feet are kind of torn up. There's some part. Yeah. Sucks got hurt, but there's some there's a badge of honor a little yeah. bit in the damage. So it was like, the reason why I asked that, cause I was wondering, I mean, having a black eye and cuts and you know, your ears all messed up. It's like, it's kind of cool a little bit also, yeah. isn't it? I no, mean, it is. Well, it's like we said this morning, I woke up and you're like, Hey, how, how you feeling? I'm like, well, you know, my knees are a little bit sore. Ankles yeah. are a little bit sore from the, the run yesterday, but it's like the Goo Goo, Goo, Goo doll song. You know, you <laughs> sometimes you bleed just to know you're alive. You right. Know? And I think, <clears throat> I think we don't, you know, we don't push ourselves enough as, as human beings mm-hmm. today in society. Um, I mean, I wonder how many people out there haven't even been sore or yeah. broke a sweat right. or gone through something where they're like, man, I worked, you know, worked so hard. It wasn't like I banged my knee on a coffee table, like a yeah. an actual like, hey, the result of the workload that I put in yeah. resulted in me feeling this way. Yeah, There's a lot of people that never have felt that in yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. you know, since high school football and they're like 50 years, 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dang, man, I need to, right. I need to do something. But so I think there is this, there is this, 
you know, we, we talked last night on our run too. one of my favorite books of all time was John Eldridge's wild at heart mm-hmm. and every man it's, it's a book about how the, how God designed a man's heart mm-hmm. and every man needs a battle to fight an adventure to have and a beauty to win. Mm-hmm. And these days the battles to fight are, are far and few between the adventures that, that we have are far and few between. And <clears throat> obviously the, the beauty to win is, you know, finding the woman of your dreams, but yeah, the battle to fight and the, and the adventure to have are, are far and few between for mm-hmm. men and just human beings in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy like you, you're basically going on a, having a battle to fight every time you run a marathon or every time you run Mount Pisgah mm-hmm. or having an adventure, because even though you're running the same trails, it's an, it's an adventure yeah. every single time. There's something different every single time, whether it's the push weather, yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and that's not the toot your horn or, or my horn. Like that's, that's the other thing too, is it could be anything, you know, just as long as you're, you're just changing up the, the everyday mundane part mm-hmm. of life because that's what people complain about every every day is the same and groundhog's day and yeah it's like well the world is your oyster yeah you know like right you, you, and especially if i'm sure a lot of your your viewers are american mm-hmm. you live in the greatest country on the planet and it's a free country and you can literally do whatever you want yeah aside from breaking the law you know you can do <laughs> anything that's legal you can do whatever you want yeah you know yeah that's true <clears throat> so i guess it'd be like so maybe a little damage not like all busted up where you got to wear the mask in front yeah. of the kids. Like I've seen that before too. I would, the way I look at it is like, I've wanted to be attacked by a bear, not killed, yeah. but like just a cool scar just here. Really cool so scar. it's like, we just want a little bit, a little bit of bang yeah. up, little sacrifice shown, but not too much. Yeah. Don't take my arm off. Yeah. please. No, I like, I like that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a first round, I think a first round quick knockout, but like maybe like a little black eye yeah. that tells a story. There you like, go. Yeah, like I was in a fight. Well, yeah. you have that iconic photo too. I remember, I think it was after a Bellator fight where the blood's coming yeah, down. That was cool. That's a badass picture. Yeah. I mean, you know, a picture like that where you're just like, okay. You know, yeah. I can like, live with that. Yeah, I'd live to fight another day, but I got a cool <laughs> old blood scar, you know, or blood, blood photo. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know when I look at you, you seem like the prototypical fighter. I mean, just when, when you think of MMA these days, if you put up Michael Chandler, it's like, that's a fighter. And it's like, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I thank think. you. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, um, I try to be, <laughs> well, you do a great job. I mean, you're always putting on a show. So I'll, uh, I, w- I want to end up this because we did get out there and, and shoot a few arrows yesterday. Yep. And I saw a few questions coming in from people. They want to know about bow hunting. Okay. Yeah. So what's, uh, What's your thoughts on, do you ever see yourself bow hunting? I do. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I, you know, as we, as we talked about, you said, Hey, do you hunt? And I've been a wrestler since I was, you know, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And now I've fought in the, in the wintertime, the last, you know, 14 years. And I also travel away from my family to go to my training camps. Sorry. So the last thing I'm going to do is be like, Hey, sweetie, I'm going to go on this five day hunting trip. (laughs) So yes, I, uh, I'm excited for, post fighting career mm-hmm. definitely bow hunting definitely you know gun hunting possibly probably actually but shooting the bow yesterday was awesome yeah you know? i mean obviously when you got the best teacher in the world and like <laughs> you're like there's a little bit of extra confidence that you get i'm sure when i go shoot by myself i'm like dang it i can't even hit this thing at 20 <laughs> yards let alone 74 you got to remember wayne's hand remember the the yep. release hand the release hand i know that one picture that rihanna showed us that one picture i'm like don't show that to wayne yeah <laughs> yeah no wayne but i definitely would love to bow hunt we went and got uh, Chandler dialed in at the bow rack. Wayne set up his brand new keep hammering bow and 
and he's just Wayne's just taught thousands and thousands of people how to shoot a bow. So yeah. he's going through all the techniques with uh, with uh, Michael on how to do it right, and that's a key part of actually. I think it's a key part to why you shot so well yesterday is because you had the basics set up. It's just like yeah. fighting or anything else. Once you learn the basics, then you can build on those. But yeah. the basics have to be a solid foundation. And so with Wayne, you know that foundation is going to be solid. However, it is still a learning process. And there's so much to keep track of between the bubble and the anchor points and the release hand and the bow hand even. You know, Wayne put that the uh, Allen wrench in your hand to yep. show where that handle, the bow handle needs to go and sit there. A lot to keep track of. And Chandler had his hands curled up on the, or, you know, the trigger finger on, but then the other ones, and Wayne's like, no, keep the, all yep. four of those fingers together. It's like a lever. Anyway. Well, so it, when it was good to, cause I haven't shot up, shot a bow in a while. So it was good to kind of start over with the foundation, mm -hmm. you know, the, the one, two, three, four. Yeah simple simple things that but are very important mm -hmm. um instead of me going out you know if, if you send me the bow and i'm like okay i'm gonna go shoot it and i shoot it for a couple of days by <laughs> yeah. myself then i then i have to unlearn mm -hmm. the bad technique that i've probably created over the last um you know a couple of times that i shot because yeah. ultimately i would probably shoot a couple of good shots i'm like okay this so i'm pretty good at this yeah but then i come over here and he's like okay you're doing this this and this wrong and right those are pretty important things yeah well i mean that's another big part of what i want to do here is just share, sharing archery and, and what it means to me with my guests and, yep. you know, going down to the bow rack, which is, you know, where I learned to, to shoot a bow and then getting out there and getting a good visual, putting that balloon on the target way out there and watching that arrow fly. That and was hit. so cool. Yeah. It's so fun. It's just, so a, cool. it's just such a powerful visual that watching that balloon pop after a long shot. It's pretty fun. I know. Yeah. I, I watched the video about 25 times. You know? like, <laughs> so cool. And I see, it was so funny too. I showed my wife and she goes, Oh my gosh, your face. Like she could see the exuberance on my yeah. face. I was like, because I was, you know, and I think even my my caption was like, whenever Cam Haynes says you can you can pop that balloon at seventy four yards, you believe it. Yeah. Because I was like, ah, I think I might actually do this, but I didn't really believe I was. I thought it might take like eight shots. Yeah. To do it. And I'm like, holy cow! Nailed it. It was like you know, yeah. it was. Of course, we had practiced before that. Before we put the balloon up, that where we were, we were kind of getting dialed in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to make so, sure we we're in the area. We were in the and, area because because where we set up the bow yesterday or the day before at the bow rack was we shot out to twenty yards. So yeah. once you take that out you know four times that distance just got to make sure everything's still working like it's supposed to and it was and that bow shot shot great but it's so because good. you were making perfect releases and it was so accurate even after the balloon popped i mean we did that a few times but then you kept shooting and making great shots and in the lung area of the bighorn target at long distance time after time it was yeah. very impressive it was pretty cool no it was and then once again just trying new things mm -hmm. trying new things with people that you know are good at those things ultimately brings your level of awareness and your level of ability up it's kind of it's kind of crazy you know yeah. it's like almost like this weird supernatural thing you know because if i was out there by myself there is no confidence with the you know the cues that you were giving me and and even me also having watched you shoot on that range a thousand times on yeah. social media you know so it was cool <laughs> it was so fun man well it was great because i mean i don't there's a lot of long time archers that if you put that target out there at 74 yards they would miss it multiple times i mean it's a long shot it's not yeah. not easy so i mean for you to be able to master that as quickly as you did was 
I mean, it's a good testament to, I, I guess, your hand-eye coordination, your ability, but also your, your, I think, following instruction is a key part of learning any new task. Yeah. And uh, having, you know, like Wayne is the right teacher definitely made a difference. Yeah, I've, I've, it's kind of how I've made my living the last, you know, since I was 14. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you're the coach, you're the expert. Yeah. You tell me what to do and I will, you know, I'll do it. You know, I'll trust you. You know, yeah. if you say run through that wall, I'll run through the wall. It's probably going to hurt. <laughs> I probably know it's going to hurt, but I'll run through the wall if you want me to, you know? So yeah, it, uh, it worked out well and the balloon popped. Yeah. Oh, I awesome. loved it. Well, Michael, one way that I'm going to end each podcast, because it's such a huge part of my life, but this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to give you your keep hammering bow. Oh my goodness. And welcome you to the bow hunting brotherhood. This is amazing, dude. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. And that's beautiful, by the way. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, that origin camo is looking sick. Origin camo. <laughs> yeah. The old fast Eddie spot hog. Yeah. It's so funny. Like to all of us and the millions of listeners that you have too, it's like, <laughs> you, they know all these, all these little things, the, the release products. you use, the products you use. The, yeah. It's, it's so awesome. You, you mentioned the release. Yeah. I mean, the wise guy. Yeah. That was yeah. funny. But um, yeah, so that's, that's your very own keep hammering Hoyt. And now that's the biggest part. Now we just need to make the hunt happen. Hey, let's go. <laughs> I know. I, I try to get you to go, hey, let's go tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. I know, I there's, know. No, nothing, there's nothing in season right now, but let's just go walk around the yeah. woods with our bows. I know the bulls don't have antlers right now, but. <laughs> I want to feel like a man. Yeah. We did talk about that too, how they lose their antlers every year. So yeah, it'd be, be tougher that to find cool. a big bull right this time of year. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. This is an yeah. honor. Oh, likewise. Let's talk about optics. Leupold is the optic manufacturer I use and trust. And Leupold knows that when it comes to performance in the field, trust is earned. For over 100 years, countless hunters and shooters have put their trust in Leupold optics. Every Leupold optic is designed, engineered, and tested to ensure it will operate at the highest level under the harshest conditions. Whether it's driving rain, freezing temperatures, or dramatic altitude changes, Leupold is guaranteed to stay fog-free and deadly accurate because gear that doesn't work doesn't belong in your pack. While other companies warranty failure, Leupold guarantees trusted performance for life. A company run by hunters and shooters knows that when you are miles from the nearest road and hours from the closest store, failure is not an option. So in your next hunt or during your next competition, let Leupold earn your trust. Put their optics to their paces Toss them in your pack, haul them up and down the mountain, or drag them through the mud. No matter the conditions, Leupold is guaranteed to perform. Hunt after hunt, season after season, year after year, Leupold Optics will never let you down. Visit your local retailer or leupold.com to learn more. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's knows that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season, Every animal, a unique challenge. Every hunt, an experience. Before your season starts, get into Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's to gear up with all the ammo you'll need. We've restocked and reloaded our entire selection of ammunition. We will not be undersold. We've got the widest selection in the area with the most competitive pricing. Gear up at your ammo headquarters, in-store or online at BassPro.com and Cabela's.com.